Folk, noise, electronics, improvisation. How can radical music help us manifest new possibilities for thinking and imagine new ways of organising community through ritual behaviours, actions and languages? You're listening to the Liquid Architecture podcast. Today, Alexandra Spence expands on her relationship to objects and how she translates their textures and histories into sound, the development of her practice and its relation to landscape, and shares reflections on her new album, Blue Waves, Green Waves. Alexandra Spence is a sound artist and musician attempting to reimagine the intricate relationships between the listener, the object, and the surrounding environment. Her aesthetic favours field recordings, analogue technologies, and object interventions. She holds the belief that electricity might actually be magic. My name is Alexandra Spence. I am a musician and sound artist working in Sydney on unceded Gadigal and Wangal land. Texture and timbre are quite important to me and things that I find really interesting. So uh, using different objects and kind of trying to record objects in different ways to translate the texture of the object into sound, if that's possible, as well as inviting the narrative of the object or the history of, of what the object is and what it's used for or what it could be imagined to be used for and playing off that within my music as well. I guess my relationship to objects is multifaceted. So I probably first started using objects in a way as a way to let the audience into a more experimental form of music, giving a kind of example of what the sound is that I'm sampling. I really like texture and I think I've always kind of gravitated towards texture as opposed to, you know, rhythm or harmony. How do I choose the object? I've always collected things, I guess. (laughs) I was the type of kid that would bring home seaweed from a family holiday, (laughs) that kind of thing. 
So I think I am just intuitively drawn to certain objects because I find them aesthetically pleasing. But of course, now that I've brought them into my practice, I'm also listening, like judging an object based on its appearance as to what it might sound like, whether it's hollow, what the material is, whether it has a jagged edge, if it's soft, these kinds of things and how that could translate into sound. I guess when I use objects within performance, I'm generally using two microphones, a condenser mic and a hydrophone that doubles as a contact mic. And I have a little like piece of card that I use almost as a stage that I put the contact mic on and then all the objects that touch the card are then amplified. So it's involving my hands and an object, scraping the object, blowing the object. It's a bottle or that kind of thing. I mean, it varies depending on the performance and the space. I have found this a bit more challenging when I do bigger gigs that the audience is further away and they can't really see what I'm doing as much. And sometimes that bothers me. Sometimes it doesn't seem to matter. But I guess generally I do like people to see what I'm doing because I'm using these objects because I find them meaningful or they tie into the concept of the work in some way. Often I kind of limit the objects in a kind of conceptual relationship to the work. I also don't like the word theatrical, (laughs) but I don't mind story or narrative. Like there's a kind of poetry of the relationship between the objects and the work that is an added layer, I suppose. Into the ocean. Ocean hiss. It's really funny because I've just talked about how I'm really interested in the visual elements of these objects, but at the same time, I don't think of myself as a very visual person when it comes to video and and visual art, I suppose. So I was really very happy for Rachel Archibald, who did the video, to bring herself to it and kind of wanted her to make it her own and do whatever she wanted with it. I guess I invited her in because I really liked her work and wanted to use more kind of 3D sculptural stuff within the video, which she does a little bit of. We chatted a whole bunch over email at the very beginning of the creation of the video about the concept of the album. It was kind of responding to a text by Virginia Woolf as well as a text by Jane Bennett, Vibrant Matter. So about looking at, I suppose light and sound and how they can animate objects. So we talked a lot about light and the sensorial aspects of the ocean and shared different childhood memories. I sent Rachel a whole bunch of videos at her request that I'd made of the ocean on my phone and she kind of tied in these movement and light play within that.
studied clarinet and I think I always found it really stressful trying to play <laughs> other people's music in the right style. So I found it really freeing when I started working with electronic music and with things like sine tones because I wasn't thinking in terms of discrete notes. It was frequencies and there's so many more frequencies. <laughs> so I liked the kind of notes in between the notes and playing with that. Whether I think of it as sound or music is um, definitely when I was first getting into it, it was a distinction for me and I was really like firm on having to find out what I thought it was and I think coming from a music background I was initially drawn to calling myself a sound artist but now I much prefer to call myself a musician but also I don't really mind either way they're the same to me it depends on I guess the context and the audience and what they might respond to better I think it took me a while to find the music that I wanted to make and I first got into experimental music through the Splinter Orchestra and improvised music within Sydney, and that was on clarinet. And I was never really able to make the sounds I wanted to make with that instrumentation and that form of music, even though I learned a lot and it really influenced my like spatial and environmental thinking. Then I did my Masters of Fine Arts in Canada, uh, where I was studying sound installation in an interdisciplinary program, and my cohort was amazing and I think we really inspired each other and one friend and I, Ben Wiley, we got really into building tape loops and DIY electronics around that time. And then I was asked to do a solo performance and that's kind of when I worked out the setup that I currently have. I guess when I first got into making solo music, it started as a response to direct immediate landscapes. So when I started the iteration of my solo practice that currently exists. I was living in Canada. This was in like 2015, 2016. And I guess when you're in a new place, you think about place differently because <laughs> you notice everything that's different. And so you have a very unique perspective and I suppose you can't avoid comparing things as well. And so for me, I was really drawn to what was similar to Australia, which was the Pacific Ocean and the kind of coastal landscape. It definitely started as a very direct response to specific landscapes, but the more I've kind of developed my music over the last couple of years, I've become more interested in creating more imaginative places rather than direct places. Thank you. 
There's a definite difference between my composition and my live performance. I find it really hard generally to perform my recorded music because it becomes so intricate that it's almost impossible to dissect in a live way. So often they're quite separate and I like working with sign tones a lot. So one thing that I do like to do if I get the chance is to kind of tune the sign tones to the resonance of the room or particular objects that I'm working with, which is something I did at a gig I had in St. Stephen's Church where uh, my dad played the organ and I projected sign tones into the space as well that corresponded with the organ and, and the resonance of the space, which was really magical. But often it's hard to do that kind of site-specific work because you don't get that time in the space beforehand. During COVID, I went through and ordered all my <laughs> my object collection into materials, shells, rocks, wood, ceramic pipes, <laughs> metal pieces, bone, that kind of stuff. I do have specific objects for specific performances, like with the new album performances I'm doing, I'm using more shells because they're from the ocean. But I also have these particular shells that I got from a riverbed in South Africa that I've been using since 2016. And I suppose I do have a relationship with them. So yes, some are specific for specific performances and others are enduring. I mean, one sound I'm really excited about at the moment and I'm not sure how to recreate it is a sound on my current album on the track called Air Pockets and it's a field recording of the ocean but recorded through a PVC pipe piece and the sound of the waves kind of like bubbling up into the pipe and the resonant tuning of the pipe sounds really amazing and I'm not sure if it's possible to recreate it. I've thought about bringing in like a water tank and trying to create movement in the tank and having a pipe but that seems really difficult. <laughs> For the show uh, with Liquid Architecture, I think I'll use some of the material from the album, like Green Waves, the last track has some voice and sign tones, and I've been quite interested in working with activating snare drums with sine waves. So I might collect a bunch of snare drums and see if I can set them off with the sine tones in that track. And I'm also quite interested in maybe using a swinging microphone. <laughs> this idea came to me in a dream <laughs> the other night where I was swinging a microphone over four different tape players that I had across the floor playing different things. And I was like, ah, oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> so I haven't practiced it or tried it, but it's a possibility. I think the shells will be there at least for um, emotional support, if not used sonically. I generally do have the same kind of instrumentation for all my gigs, which I generally use a computer and Ableton that I load all my samples and field recordings into and then have a MIDI controller and a hydrophone that also doubles as a contact mic and a condenser microphone. So I think I'll definitely have that as normal, but then the exact objects, yeah, 
haven't quite worked out what all the materials will be. Alexandra Spence will be playing at the Oratory, Abbotsford Convent, on Sunday the 24th of July, alongside Adam Golubewski and Eva Bertwood-Jay, for Liquid Architecture's Ritual Community Music Series. You can find tickets at the link in our show notes. This podcast was produced by Mara Schretfeger for Liquid Architecture on the land of the Gadigal of the Eora Nation. We acknowledge them as the traditional owners of this land, and recognise that sovereignty has never been ceded. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Liquid Architecture is an Australian organisation for artists working with sound and listening. You can support our podcast and online journal Disclaimer through a Patreon subscription for as little as $5 a month. Find the link in our show notes. (laughs) 